This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Omicron variant continues to wreak havoc. We're now seeing upwards of 650,000 cases a day in the U.S. Many of those cases have been mild for vaccinated people, but the dramatic surge is causing staffing shortages at hospitals, schools, police departments, and in other essential industries. Here in Chicago, the positivity rate has been above 20% since before the new year. So joining us now to help make sense of these numbers and what's going on with testing is Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Welcome back. Hey, Sasha. Your reaction, doctor, to the case counts that we're seeing nationwide right now, especially given that the numbers are widely accepted to be an undercount. Yeah, you know, we we knew that um, as Omicron was coming, we could see in excess of a million cases a day. It was sort of dependent upon our ability to test. And, you know, so we know that the day. I think that still, uh, basically looking at epidemiologic parameters, it's a little higher than we had hoped, um, but it's going to stay this high for a little while longer uh, until we can finally uh, turn the end of this um, this particular surge and start coming down the back end again. Well, on, on Friday, we saw the first drop in daily COVID hospitalization since Christmas Eve. Can we say yet whether that's a hopeful trend? No, oh, I wish it were. We're not quite there yet because what's going to happen is we will finally start to see case counts come. Dr. Teramina, you there? I'm here. Uh, hopefully we'll see those case counts come down the next uh, couple of weeks, but hospitalizations tend to lag behind a little bit. So we may still see hospital numbers go before they go down for the several weeks to a month. Dr. Teramina, I think we'll have to reconnect with you because we're, we're losing you at some really important uh, responses. So let's go ahead and give you a call back. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is our regular Monday segment with Dr. Mia Teramina. She's our infectious disease specialist who joins us on a weekly basis, and she brings us up to speed on, on what's going on with COVID. In this case, we are, of course, catching up on what's going on with the Omicron variant as it's spreading like wildfire across Chicago. And uh, she takes your questions as well. We gather your emails and your voicemails throughout the week, and we present them to her so that we can get the latest information that you want to hear. I think the doctor is back with us. You there, Dr. Termina? Hey, Sasha, I'm here. Okay, sounds much better. I want to make sure we can hear you because this is uh, this is important stuff here. Uh, so tell us what you make of the positivity rate here in Chicago and Illinois. It's above 20%. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're going to see those numbers stay high for at least another couple of weeks here. And we were talking before the communication got a little blurred that I, I think what's going to happen is we will see the case counts turn the corner and we'll start to see those numbers come down, hopefully by the end of the month. But hospitalizations tend to lag behind case counts. So we will still see some of those hospitalization numbers coming up before they come down. Not nearly as high uh, as, you know, the case counts for sure. But mm-hmm. we are still seeing hospitals uh, overwhelmed with COVID cases right now. So as we talked about earlier this hour, Dr. Teramina, schools have been a major flashpoint and a source of concern right now. Dr. Arwady uh, the mayor, uh, Mayor Lightfoot, CPS CEO Pedro Martinez, they all continue to assert that schools are safe for kids and that there's not a high risk of children becoming seriously ill from COVID. But we have started to see this uptick in the number of kids who are hospitalized. So what's your take on this? 
you know, schools do remain with all the mitigation strategies in place among the safest places for our kids to be. It's where they're hopefully most reliably wearing their masks appropriately, uh, where testing is being implemented in many schools. Uh, we do have good hand hygiene and try and focus on uh, ventilation and other, other ways to try and mitigate this. The vast majority of kids that are coming up positive are still going to be coming up positive from things outside of the school, specifically their own homes or other activities or interactions with friends or family members uh, that are, you know, close unmasked interactions outside the home. This stuff is really contagious. So uh, a simple get together for a birthday party or uh, a holiday event or just having another family over for dinner, if, if someone has Omicron, the likelihood of them spreading it to multiple other people is pretty darn high in an indoor setting. Yeah. Well, do you think that COVID tests should be mandatory then for, for CPS students rather than I think that, optional? I'll go ahead. Yeah. I think that it would be ideal to to testing is a is a very important layer of mitigation. It's just about accessibility to the testing, and it would have to be something that is done where the majority of the students are tested. So if that comes under the auspices of a mandate, it's for discussion. But also, we need a return on those results rather quickly. You know, we could have a, a robust testing program, but if we're not getting results back till three or four days after samples are submitted, that student has been sitting in the classroom for those three or four. Days. So it's not necessarily the benefit I would like to see. In a perfect uh, scenario, I would love to have rapid testing available very frequently for everyone everywhere to be able to get that, that assessment. And even though these tests are not perfect by any stretch, it is better than not knowing at all. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about COVID numbers and testing with Dr. Mia Teramina. She's an infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Coming up in uh, just over five minutes on the program, if you're still looking for a New Year's resolution, we've got you. New York Times opinion columnist Farhad Manju recommends learning how to properly relax, and he'll be providing step-by-step instructions for us. Doctor, we got this voicemail about testing and CDC guidelines from Phoebe in Pullman. Uh, She tested positive about two weeks ago. She's recovering from a very mild case, but she did have some additional questions about testing. I'm trying to follow the new CDC guidelines on when it's safe to come out of isolation, but what I've experienced this week are... um, Mild enough that I would probably experience the same kinds of like fatigue or sneezing in a normal week. So I'm I'm trying to figure out, am I actually asymptomatic? Are my symptoms improving? Did I ever have symptoms? And when should I start testing? And what tests should I do to see if it's okay for me to interact with my family and cats again? Your response, doctor? So I believe the caller said that she was positive uh, two weeks ago. In in that case, unless you're immune suppressed or require hospitalization, most people uh, have formed their own antibodies by day 10 or so, and it's highly unlikely that you're going to be contagious at all, even with whatever residual symptoms you have. If there's a little bit of cough or ongoing fatigue, that can last for quite a while. In general, if you are otherwise healthy, don't have any immunocompromising conditions, five full days after your diagnosis. So the day you get diagnosed is day zero, and then you count five full days after that. And on the sixth day, if you have no fevers for more than 24 hours and you are otherwise with a significant de-escalation of your symptoms or no symptoms at all, 
I'm not saying by any stretch that you are free and clear to go everywhere around the world, but you are far less likely to be contagious at that time. If you do go out into the world and reintegrate at work or school, uh, mask wearing needs to be pretty critical for at least another five days to make sure if you have any virus that might still be contagious that, that hopefully it's contained as best as possible with mask wearing, again, and keeping in mind with social distancing. Yeah. So just because we might be able to get back to school or the workforce, it's not a free pass to go to the theater or hang out with friends or go to restaurants indoors. We still need to kind of lay low for an additional five days. As Omicron has surged, doctor, it's, it's been harder to find a test. Lines are long. It's taken a while for the results to come back too. And, and trust is a big issue right now because there are people who have mentioned that they don't feel like they can trust the test results either because they don't trust the rapid at-home tests or they didn't like the conditions at the testing site. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, boy. You know, in the context of having symptoms and getting tested, I don't care where or when or how you get a positive result. It needs to be regarded as truly positive because if you had symptoms in the first place, even if they rapidly got better, we have to you know, uh, presume that you got tested and sought testing because of those symptoms. So if that test comes back positive, and I'm running into this as well, where folks are repeating and repeating and repeating to try and prove or disprove what they just saw, any one positive test really needs to be regarded as a positive test at this point and you should isolate accordingly. So, and that includes an antigen test at home, a PCR test, you know, a test that takes several days to come back. Again, please seek the most reliable testing sites possible run by commercial pharmacies or the state, the health department, local hospitals and healthcare systems, um, and, and sites that we know where the lab is going to be that's running uh, these tests, not these uh, pop-up sites where we just really don't know what happens after we uh, get our testing samples obtained. And if you're not contacted with a result, should you assume it's negative or positive or... If you're having symptoms, presume you're positive. If, again, if, if the whole point of getting the test was just a random screen because maybe you're going to be visiting some folks and you are fully vaccinated and have no symptoms, again, it's less likely that you could be infected. But if you sought testing because of symptoms and you haven't heard your results yet, out of an abundance of caution, you should presume you're positive. Looking ahead at some of the long-term effects of Omicron, we got this voicemail from Natalie in Bucktown. Let's listen. With the big spread of Omicron, um, many people are saying that it's more likely that we'll hit our peak and the virus will go away. But with such high spread of the virus, isn't that more likely that there are currently other mutations forming among amid this huge spread? Um, and are we putting ourselves at risk for a new variant with higher spread? What do you think? So we've got kind of a double-edged sword here because all these new infections do beget the chance uh, to make variants and to make possibly a variant that can overcome uh, Omicron and take over as the next dominant variant. Um, it does take a significant uh, number of mutations to really outcompete these dominant variants, but it's possible. Uh, in the meantime, the, the fact that so many people are becoming infected with this variant between 
you know, natural immunity that's going to be had from recovering from Omicron in addition to our vaccines and boosters, we are going to see numbers come down substantially over the next few weeks and, and hopefully get to a really nice and comfortable place in early spring here. But the, the caller is very, very correct. It's not going to be something that lasts forever. We are going to have to deal with the, the cycles of, of these variants popping up, and hopefully they will become progressively more mild and, and manageable, and, and it won't overwhelm our, our health care systems. But yeah. for now, I think that we're kind of following the trends that we're seeing in some other countries that peaked with Omicron a little bit sooner than us, and, and hopefully our numbers will come down soon, and we will feel that sort of, you know, almost a herd immunity type feel with how many people are carrying antibodies for yeah. a period of time after this. Well, before I let you go, Doctor, there's been some discussion online about people feeling guilty if they do contract COVID and not wanting to have to tell people about possible exposures. So briefly, what would you say to people who are feeling a sense of shame? You know, it's not a shameful thing. Everybody is going to be at risk. We've all been doing the best we can for a couple of years now trying to, you know, uh, use our layered mitigation strategies. It's, I mean, you can't really talk to anyone anywhere without hearing somebody having a breakthrough infection with mild symptoms. It's definitely something to go ahead and relay to emphasize that, you know, you're feeling well, doing good, but you want to tell your friends and loved ones out of an abundance of caution, especially if you were unmasked around them, to go ahead and get themselves tested, you know, three to five days after their high-risk exposure to you. Yeah, that is Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Thanks so much, doctor. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.